I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com. Welcome to the Let's Be Honest podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is Shore Davidi. So can you give us a little bit of your background? You consider yourself a later in life lesbian, what that process was like. Oh, yeah. How far back do we want to go? Were there signs kind of along the way that you just kind of ignored? So for me, now looking back, I'm like, ah, yes, the signs were always there. It's a lot easier for me to see them for what they were at this time in my life, kind of having that like hindsight is 2020 thing. But at the time, I was completely oblivious. So I went through my life until my mid-20s, and I'm 33 now, thinking that I was straight, never questioning my sexuality, even thinking to examine it, and just accepting I am a straight woman. This is who I am. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when I was already married to a man that I initially came out as bisexual. I basically had this moment where I saw a woman at this event that I was going to, and I did a double take on this woman that I just thought she was so gorgeous. And I remember I just had this thought, like, I was like, oh, that's weird. Why am I double taking on a woman? Why am I having this reaction to this woman? And then I just kind of filed that away in my brain. You know, I was like, eh, we're not going to really examine that. Didn't have the tools to examine that yet. So I didn't think much about it. And there were a series of little moments like that that led to me coming out as bisexual. One of those was that my ex-husband and I, we were having a conversation when we were out on a hike one day where we were talking about like the Kinsey scale and where people fall on the Kinsey scale. And I kind of asked him, like, do you see yourself as fully straight or do you see yourself somewhere in between? And his answer was like, well, am I a 10? If 10 is fully straight, maybe not. But like I can recognize when other men are attractive, but I'm not attracted to them per se. Like I'm not interested in pursuing anything with them. And he was like, what about you? And I was like, if our lives were different and we weren't together, like I think I'd be interested in dating women. That sounds like I would be down to do that. But again, just like saying this without having really put much thought into what I was actually saying in that moment. And it was only through making some really close friends in my 20s who were bisexual that I kind of learned more about like, okay, well, what does bisexual mean? And what does it mean to be attracted to women? And that's kind of how I conceptualized that for myself. So I did come out as bi. I was like, well, married to a man. So like, of course, I'm attracted to men. So I must be bi. Obvious conclusion. Many later in life lesbians find themselves there. And I also always want to say when I talk about this, that just because that was my experience doesn't mean that that is the experience for bisexuals the world round, right? I know bi folks get so much biphobia 
about like you need to pick a side, like either you're straight or gay. And that is not true at all. There's many, many wonderful bi and pan folks in my life. It was just my personal experience that that was kind of a stop on the way to figuring out that I was a lesbian. So in coming out as bi, I always describe it as like it was opening a Pandora's box in my mind where once I gave myself the option that I could be and was attracted to women, all of a sudden I had more questions than answers. And I had all these different feelings coming up where I started to realize that actually I may not be attracted to men at all or not in the way that I previously thought that I was. And there was a, a few year period of discovery. A lot of this happened, like it started pre-pandemic, but then when the pandemic happened was when I really kind of got deep and started digging more into this. And ultimately I came to realize that I was a lesbian and my ex-husband and I got a divorce. And then ever since then, I've been living my life out as a lesbian for the last three-ish years. So it's been a long journey to get there, but I'm really happy with where I ended up. Yeah. So what was that like when you told your husband? Well, first of all, was he suspicious at all? But then how did he handle that? And do y'all still have a relationship or do you have, you know, a friendship? Mm -hmm. I mean, and do y'all have any kids, by the way, too? We don't have kids. We do have two dogs that we were co-parenting when we were both living in the same city. And now that we are in different states, he has custody of them. But we do have a good relationship. And I was just home back in Austin in July. I spent a whole week with the dogs. So thankfully, we still have a good relationship at this point. But the way things kind of went down with us is that when I came out as bi, after probably eight months or so, I got to this point where I was really feeling like I needed to be with women. Like I felt like I had kind of been cheated in a way because I had committed my life to a male partner before realizing my sexuality and that I was attracted to women. And I was having these really strong feelings that my life would not be fully lived if I didn't get the opportunity to date and have sexual experiences with women. And so I had brought that to our couples therapist and to the relationship. And what we had initially planned on doing was opening the relationship so that I would have the opportunity to date women. And then he also was planning to date other women if we did open the relationship. And we were in the process of starting to do our own therapy, get our communication to a place where we felt comfortable doing that when the pandemic hit. So that kind of just threw a wedge into everything. And then, as I mentioned, over the pandemic, when I didn't have that option to be able to date women, I kind of dug in further and realized I don't think it's about me continuing to be with a man and date women on the side. I started having this overwhelming feeling like I was meant to end up with a woman. I would read queer love stories or I would watch queer love stories because at that time I was really trying to enjoy a lot of queer media. And I would have this overwhelming sadness of I'm never going to get to have that. But I feel like it's what I'm supposed to have. Like I just felt like I was living the wrong life in a lot of ways. And what was hard about that is that in many ways I had what was supposed to be my dream life. What I'd been told from the time I was a young girl, what I was supposed to want in my life. I had a good guy for my husband and we had a really healthy and positive relationship and friendship. We're financially independent. We had our own home. I really had all the things that I was supposed to be achieving or had been told that I was supposed to be achieving in my life. 
And so I felt bad and guilty. I was like, isn't this enough for me? Like, shouldn't this be enough? This is what I was supposed to want. But it wasn't my dream life is what I had to come to realize. It was the dream I'd been sold on. But if you're a closeted lesbian, that is the opposite of what your dream life is. And I had to come to terms with the fact that that's what I was. So when I initially asked for a divorce, it was really, really hard on both me and my husband because we'd been together for 10 years and we had this really deep friendship. We loved each other. We still love each other. I will always see him as family. But it took time for me to realize that's what the relationship was ultimately, was this really deep, lovely friendship and not the romantic sexual relationship that I now have with my fiance. They're just completely different. But I had nothing to compare it to because I'd only ever been with men and I thought that I only could be with men. So it took time to really realize that. And we're both so much better off. I'm in a great new relationship. He's in a great new relationship. We do maintain some level of friendship between us. And I think it was the right thing for both of us. But at the time of going through that divorce, it was absolutely the hardest thing either of us had ever been through because we grew up together. We started dating when I was 20 and about to turn 21. And I think he was maybe like 23, about to turn 24. So we were babies. We were together all through our 20s into our early 30s, went through a lot of those life milestones together. And that was really hard to think about giving that up, even though it wasn't the right thing for us to stay together in a marriage capacity. Yeah, that story is almost... I feel identical to mine. We got married at 21 and we were married for 18 years, just got divorced and no kids or anything. Fortunately, I did get to keep the dog. But and we both still I'm live jealous. in <laughs> Yeah. We both still live in the same town even outside of Dallas and we're trying the friendship thing out and a lot of people they don't get it. They're like, "Well, you don't even have kids together, so why do you even need to I I feel like a divorce when one partner realizes that they're gay and then that's why they divorce. Whether they have kids or not, I feel like it seems more common for them to stay friends than mm -hmm. all the other reasons people could get divorced. And I think people just don't get that. So it's encouraging to hear another story of another person who is still friends with their ex, even though they don't have kids tying them to each other. So I thought that was really interesting. Does everyone in your life know, I assume at this point, friends, family, and how did they react to it? Yeah, I'm completely out publicly. I am a like queer writer and creator, so I have a social media presence. My entire life story is not hard to find on the internet just by nature of like what I do. And I, I was an entrepreneur for many years and I ran my own business and that's kind of what initially built up that social media. So when I came out as bi, that was public. My people online knew that. All my friends knew that. And everyone was super positive and supportive about that. My parents were a little bit less. I think my mom really struggled with the idea and couldn't understand why I was coming out as bi when I was married because she was like, you committed yourself to this man for the rest of your life. So who cares if you're bi? Whereas my dad was like, well, because of the world that we live in and like discrimination and blah, 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 like that makes a lot of sense. And, and he was more like initially supportive. And then when I came out as a lesbian and was getting a divorce, it was something that my parents, I think, really struggled with because when I was bi but married to a man, it was kind of an abstract idea that I was queer. Whereas when it was like, no, I'm getting a divorce and I'm going to be living out as a queer person, I think that was a lot harder for them to wrap their brains around. And 
I have a lot of mixed feelings about it, but one of my feelings is that I get that to a certain extent. If you've known your child to be one thing their whole life as a straight person who's interested in men, that seems probably out of left field that now all of a sudden this person is telling you, no, I'm not interested in men and I'm a lesbian. And especially because I don't have a particularly close relationship with my parents, so I'm not usually sharing my innermost thoughts and life ideas with them. So I think it was just really tough for them. So the first year after the divorce, we didn't talk a lot and it took some time to kind of build back up a relationship between us. Thankfully, now they have been very supportive of me and my fiance and our engagement and have been very warm towards our relationship. So I think they just needed some time to get used to the idea. But besides them, I really did not have any issues with the other people in my life. Thankfully, I've surrounded myself with really wonderful friends who just want to see me happy and thriving. And they could tell how much more free and authentic I felt in leaving that marriage and going down this other path. And with the whole bi thing, I think that is a common, and you know, I'm not, like you said, undermining that bisexuality exists. It does. And there is a lot of biphobia and you need to pick a side and all this stuff. So I definitely understand that. And I want to put that out there. But it does seem kind of common for a late life lesbian to have had a, I don't, I wouldn't say phase, but like a period of time where they thought they were bi or that's how they identified. So what was kind of your process between thinking you're bi and realizing you're lesbian? How did you realize that, make that connection and, and all of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's such a common thing for late in life lesbians to go through that. And such a big part of it is just that our brains are kind of like trying to catch up with what we're feeling in our bodies. And it's the only way that we can make logical sense of the fact that we have been with men previously up to this point. Because to immediately jump from like, no, I thought I was straight to I'm a lesbian and kudos to those who managed to make that leap because I couldn't do it. My brain was just like, we can't make that leap. It doesn't make sense. I needed that middle ground to kind of be like e almost easing into it in a way where I was like, OK, see, this I can make sense of. Right. That like, sure. Because I've been with men and I've been attracted to men, I could miss that I'm bisexual, right? I think it felt scarier to acknowledge that, no, actually, I believe that I'm a lesbian because I was questioning, well, what does this mean about all of my life leading up to this point, right? Was everything a lie? Am I just so stupid that I couldn't figure this out about myself? Like, these are actual, like, questions and things that I really had to work through in therapy. And my therapist was very helpful. I have an awesome queer therapist who I've been seeing for years. And she guided me to understand, like, first of all, we live in a cis heteronormative society. So that could make it difficult for anybody to figure out their sexuality. For me personally, I am femme presenting and I always have been. I'm not someone who leans like more tomboy or was interested in kind of going down that route. And so I fit into everybody's neat little idea what a little girl, a little straight girl is supposed to be. And so I never had anybody else questioning what my sexuality was. It was just assumed. And when I was growing up, at least with my family and in the religion that I was in, I wasn't really given the option of, yes, you can be queer. You could be gay or bisexual or any of these other things. It was just assumed, no, you are straight and this is the only thing that you can be. So that and many, many other things I think contributed to 
why it took me so long to figure that out and to get the tools to understand. And that helped me to let go of that guilt because I felt for a long time, is this my fault? I felt like I had ruined my ex-husband's life by marrying him, then figuring this out about myself and ultimately get divorced. And there are men on the internet every day who tell me exactly that, right? Who are constantly in my DMs being like, you're a horrible person. I can't believe you tricked your husband like that. All just complete nonsense. And thankfully, I've done the work on myself to be able to ignore that and be like, no, this is their own issues that they are trying to project onto me because for a whole lot of patriarchal reasons we're not going to get into right now. But there's just a lot of work that had to happen for me to get to a point where I was like, it's okay that I didn't know and that I figured this out. And to answer your question of how, it was a gradual experience of, like I said, that Pandora's box of just once I allowed myself to start accepting that I'm attracted to women and I'm interested in being with women, it's like this fright train that just kept picking up speed inside of me to a point where I couldn't ignore it. And what I realized was that my body had been trying to tell me for years that something was wrong. There were many times in my marriage where I was just like, I don't feel happy, like something feels wrong, but I should be happy, right? Like I can't figure out what is this thing that is the problem because by all accounts of like what I should want in my life, I have that. And so it was finally being like, oh, maybe the queerness is the thing. And by allowing myself that a little bit with identifying as bisexual, then my body really started to start yelling at me, basically. It was like, oh, you've kind of started to figure it out. Well, now I'm going to scream at you until you figure it out the way. I couldn't shove anything down anymore. It was ever present. And so that feeling of something is wrong, I'm unhappy, just kept growing and growing until I had to contend with it. So did you get to a point then where, like, okay, for me, I had been identified as bi for like over a decade in like my 20s and 30s. But then in the last kind of during COVID and just I think COVID, we all had the opportunity to sit back, reflect and just work through stuff. And so it was kind of during that time, I I was like, I might be lesbian. And like even Mm -hmm. my husband or ex-husband now would ask me at times. And then I started looking back at my childhood and I'm like, wait a minute, I felt differently. Like I found guys attractive, but I I never had boy crushes except for celebrity ones. But Mm -hmm. girls, I had real life crushes and like just all these things that started making sense. So was there kind of a catalyst or a situation where it just became abundantly clear? I don't think there was just one catalyst. I think there had been so much stuff that was building over time. I will say that over the pandemic, I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which Mm -hmm. is a favorite of many late in life lesbians. And that book wrecked me to the point where I was like listening to the audiobook and crying in the shower because I just was feeling some deep things about it and trying to process what that was. And that was, again, those feelings of, I feel like I'm meant to be with a woman. That was, those are the feelings that are like coming up in this. And ultimately, like I asked for a divorce probably maybe four or five months after finishing that book and talking through things with my therapist. But I actually wasn't the first person to call myself a lesbian. My friend Crystal was followed by my now ex-husband before I actually took that term for myself. So I was actually visiting my parents briefly during the pandemic. 
And I was there for a week and I went to see my friend Crystal and she had recently gone through a divorce of her own. So like we were talking about stuff and I was kind of sharing my feelings and how I just felt like I needed to leave this marriage that I needed to go explore. And she started asking me some questions and she was like, you know, have you ever thought that like maybe you're gay? Like maybe you are only interested in women? And I was like, I've thought about it, but I don't know. This is still when my whole history with men was really holding me back with that. Because I think I also felt a loyalty to my ex-husband of what does it mean for us if I say that I'm a lesbian? I felt like that that would be almost a betrayal in some ways at that time. And it took me time to realize it's not and it doesn't have to be that. So she was the first person to mention it to me. And then after I came back and eventually asked my partner for a divorce, in the couple of weeks after that, we were kind of doing like a little back and forth, like, is this really what we want? Does this make sense? Like seeing our couples therapist. And he was asking me questions like, okay, do you find yourself attracted to any men besides me? Are you sexually attracted? Are you romantically attracted? And really kind of trying to pin me down to say one thing or another. And I was like, I don't know, like at this time, I feel like, you know, my attraction is to you. I don't know if I would date other men. And he was like, well, it kind of sounds like you might be a lesbian. And... <laughs> You know, I was like, you said maybe like I could not at that time. I just I didn't want to say that I wasn't ready to proclaim that because kind of like you, I was like, but I've never been with a woman. What if I'm wrong about all of this? What if I am by but I just want to be with a woman? That's fine. That can be a reality to still get divorced. I wasn't quite there yet to be like, no, I'm a lesbian. And it took until after our divorce was finalized and just working through more things in therapy for me to be like, okay, I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure that yes, I identify as a lesbian. But there was a period of time where I was just identifying as queer. Right after my divorce, I was like, if you need a new word for me, it's queer. I'm not identifying as bi right now, but I'm still figuring things out. So that was kind of my middle ground where I was just like, I'm queer, but I don't know what this is. And I think it was before my fiance and I started dating that I was at least internally identifying as a lesbian. And I'm pretty sure I had maybe publicly at that point, too. But then, of course, once we started dating, like 100 percent, any doubts that I had left were gone. I was just like, OK, I was correct. My body was right all along. This is where I was supposed to be. This was where I ultimately wanted to end up. And that was really affirming to be like, OK, I can trust myself. I wasn't leading myself astray like I was going exactly where I was supposed to go. It just took some time for me to catch up with the terminology and other things to be willing to say, yeah, this is who I am. Where did you meet or how did you meet your fiance? We actually met on Hinge. So okay. in the most lesbian story ever, she was my first date with a woman. And I basically just got extremely lucky in that we matched. We had a ton of stuff in common. We got along really well. And we went on our first date and it was amazing. Now we've been together for the past two years and we got engaged this past February. So it has been a wild ride, let me tell you, but I would not change it. Like initially I was thinking I was going to have lesbian slutty phase where I was going to be like, yes, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do like the queer sex and dating thing. It's going to be fun. I just was like, there's no way I'm going to meet my person for a long time. I was trying to just be very realistic with myself. And then as life would have it, luck would have it. I got the opposite of what I thought I wanted, and it's exactly what I wanted. So it's been fun. Wow. So she was the first person you actually went on a date with? Yep. First woman oh. I've ever went on a date with. Oh, wow. And how long were you on Hinge before you met her? Not before you met her in person, but I yeah. mean like before you came across her profile. 
literally days. I know it's like just a very strange happenings that I went that way because I was on a few other dating sites. I was on, I think, Her and Bumble for a little bit. And I didn't even know about Hinge because when my ex-husband and I had started dating, the apps were just starting to become a thing. So I had never been on them in my life. And so I was on a couple of the ones that I had heard about. And after a few days, I was already very discouraged. I was just like, I'm not attracted to any of these women. I am not feeling anything. Like I'd had a couple of messages with people, but nothing that I felt was going to actually lead to a date. And so I was texting with a friend of mine who I had actually seen her profile on one of the sites that I was on. So we were just joking about that. And she was like, oh, you know what? You should try Hinge. I've had way better luck with Hinge. And I was like, oh, okay. I haven't heard of this one. So I downloaded it and I remember thinking, hmm, should I be on this app? Because it seemed like it was more for people who are interested in serious dating. And I knew that I was looking for something more casual. And I was like, well, that's okay. I was like, I know my boundaries and I can communicate them. So if I find people on here I'm interested in, I will just be honest with them about what I'm looking for. And then, yeah, sure enough, I think within just a day or two of downloading Hinge, I matched with my now fiance. Wow. So did you do the free version or the paid version? I just did the free version. I was okay. using the free version of all of these. And Hinge, of all the ones that I was on, I felt like, at least at the time, because this was two years ago now, I felt like their free version was the best in terms of what you actually got. I remember getting so frustrated with her because you got almost nothing with the free version. And so they were constantly trying to get you to go up to the paid version. I was like, this app is so freaking annoying. <laughs> But with Hinge, I was like, oh, I feel like I have mostly have freedom to be able to talk to people and not have any issues. So she and I were both yeah, just on the free version. Wow. And did y'all both live in the same city? No, of course we didn't. Okay. Um, I was <laughs> like. But this is another very weird thing because I set my settings to only be within, I don't know, 10 miles or something of Austin where I was living. I did not do the lesbian thing where I was like, anywhere in the state is fine. I set it for Austin. So I do not know why Hinge showed me her profile. Honestly, to this day, we always joke about it. We're like, clearly the algorithm just was like, these two are meant to be <laughs> together. So we're going to ignore their location requests and we're going to put them together anyways. But thankfully, she was in San Antonio. So that's oh. only like an hour and a half away from Austin. So we did the long distance thing for, I think, eight months. And then she ended up moving in with me in Austin. Okay. And now I know you've recently moved to Denver. Yes. And I assume that mainly because Denver or Colorado is more gay friendly than Texas. <laughs> is that the, the primary reason? So I would say it's one of the primary reasons. When... Jesse and I started dating. She actually told me literally on the first day we were dating because it just came up in questions. We were asking each other that she had always dreamed of living in Colorado. I knew from the get go that that was a place that she could see herself in the long term. And Colorado is a place I've always really enjoyed visiting and coming here. And there's very few places in the U.S. that I would want to live outside of like Austin. I loved Austin. I lived there for eight years. And I'm like a Texan through and through. I grew up in the Dallas area. But at this point, as an out queer person, the only place you're going to find me living would be in Austin and in the state. And so I had always kind of thought like I'd be there forever. That when I first moved there, that was the thought. I was like, this is my long term place. I'm going to set down roots. I don't see myself leaving. But at that time, I was also married to a man, thought I was straight. My life just looked very different in a lot of ways, career wise, too. So I was open to the idea of going somewhere else. And she had always wanted to live in Colorado and come up into the mountains. 
So we visited a couple of times together. And my sister also during this time, maybe like six months after Jesse and I started dating, moved to Fort Collins, which is about 45 minutes uh, north of where I'm living now, um, just a little bit north of Denver. So that was another incentive because that's my family member who I'm the closest to. And I have a young niece and nephew as well who are here. So there was a lot of different factors, but absolutely the political climate was a big thing because my partner is mask presenting. And so she definitely runs into more trouble than I do. When we're together, we certainly have issues with homophobia because it's clear that we're a lesbian couple. But because I'm femme, queer people read me as queer always, but the straights don't know. So they just assume that I'm just the, the standard person that they're looking at. So for her safety was something we were definitely considering of wanting to move to a place where she could feel a little bit safer because she's mask presenting enough that she'll get glares in the women's bathroom and people call her sir and stuff like that. So we had that consideration. And then just wanting to have laws that are more in our favor, especially this last legislative session in Texas was just so concerning and frustrating. Like I feel so much sadness for my Texas trans siblings who are navigating so much with the laws that are happening in Texas. I mean, really, Florida and Texas are just in a race to the fucking bottom <laughs> right now with the things that they're yeah. passing and like the new book laws that Texas just passed as someone who's trying to become an author. It was just make me so sad. I know that someday my books will be banned in Texas. That's just depressing to think about, but that is going to be the reality of the situation. So for us, all of those things together, we were like, yeah, it's it's time to go. We want to try out something new. Also, the heat. So you know, you've been living through like the hottest summer on record in Texas, and it's just been getting progressively worse. So we were like, you know, we want to try a new environment. My biggest complaint about Austin was always, I love the mountains and Austin doesn't have any. So we were like, this is a chance to go live in the mountains, to give a new city a try. And we could always move back, right? If ultimately we decide we'd rather be back in Austin, we can go back. But we wanted to take this opportunity and to just see what it would be like somewhere else. And especially being in a state that is a lot more friendly with the laws, at least. I was watching one of your TikToks and it was about the HOA and oh, the God. pride flag. I'd love for you to share that story because it's like, so Denver as a whole, Colorado as a whole, is obviously more gay friendly than Texas, but yet there was an issue with your flag. Yes. So something that I always like to reiterate to people is that as queer people living in a cis heteronormative society, there is no place that is going to be 100% quote unquote safe for us. Because there are going to be people around you who hold negative viewpoints about us, about who we are, about the lives that we're living, no matter where you go, no matter which state that you're in. And this goes the other way, too. I know a lot of queer people living in Texas, living in Florida, who have wonderful communities, who are making great lives for themselves. So I think everybody needs to do better about not assuming that one thing is going to, for sure, be better or worse than the other, depending on where you live. Because, yeah, even in every single majority liberal state, there's still going to be conservative pockets. California is such a great example of this. We always think of L.A. and San Francisco. They're these really liberal areas. But there are lots of smaller towns throughout California that are extremely conservative. Colorado is exactly the same way. There are plenty of places in Colorado that are very conservative, even though the state as a whole is very gay friendly, is very liberal, even though the current governor is very gay friendly, very liberal. It's not going to be the place everywhere that you go. And so for us, unfortunately, while we did do a lot of research on the areas where we were moving to, we also had a limited time in which to 
get out of our place in Austin and move. So we didn't get the choice to actually come to Colorado, look at places in person, because also with the rental market right now, by the time we would fly up here, mm -hmm. the place would no longer be available. So we knew we were going to have to do sight unseen the house that we got. So we just like picked a house that we could afford that was in the general area that we liked to rent and kind of crossed our fingers and hoped for the best. And unfortunately, the city that we're in, which I won't name just for safety purposes, is more conservative. I can tell you that it is a, a suburb of Denver that's on the north side of Denver. So we will not be living here once our lease is up. We have learned that, nope, this is not the place for us. Unfortunately, this area leans more conservative than we realized that it did when we were looking. And yeah, we've been having a problem with the HOA. We definitely have some neighbors who are not happy that there are two lesbians living by them. So somebody reported our pride flag, which we had hanging in the front window of our home. And the reason we had it in the window instead of outside on the flagpole is because I did not feel confident that someone wouldn't try to steal it or damage it. And so I wanted to not be so scared that we wouldn't show our pride at all, but also take the precaution of we're going to put this inside the house so that someone can't easily come and, and rip it down because I've had other friends in conservative areas who've had a lot of issues with that. Their flag's getting stolen or burned or any other number of horrible things. But yeah, so we got a notification from the HOA, notice that uh, we needed to take down the flag. The reasoning given was that one, it is being used as a quote unquote window covering. And if we want to fly a flag, it needs to be flown outside. And then two, that it is a holiday decoration and holiday decorations must be taken down within one week of their respective holiday. So basically implying that like we can only fly the flag during Pride Month in June. And once it's past that, we can't do it anymore because, you know, we're only gay in June. That's, that's <laughs> the only time. The good news at the end of this is that I did post that TikTok in, in a reel about this. And someone who saw it commented and was like, actually, Colorado passed a statute in 2021 that forbids HOAs from doing exactly that. And I was like, oh, let me look into this. I'm a former lawyer. So I pulled up the statute and turns out this is true. Colorado amended their flag statute in 2021 such that now an HOA cannot prohibit you from flying any kind of flag you want or putting up any kind of sign you want. And the idea was that it's the freedom of speech, freedom of expression, that if it's your home that you're living in, they can't tell you that you can't put that up. And this goes both ways, right? It both protects my ability to put up a pride flag and someone else's ability to put up a Confederate flag. So it's not just like, a, oh, this is a liberal thing. Like, truly, this is just intended for anybody who is in a home that you have the ability to do that. It also specifically says on your property, in a window or on your balcony. So it carves out that the window is a protected place to put your flag. So I wrote the HOA again on Friday and I informed them of this law and I sent them the statute and I was like, hey, you need to bring the HOA's rules and regulations up to accordance with state law. And it's Tuesday, still haven't heard back from them. So I have a <laughs> feeling they are not gonna be responding to me, but I just ordered a brand new lovely flag that I'm excited about and it's going to go back up in the window. Okay, so this past Friday, like just yeah. days ago. Yeah, okay. this was just, just days ago because that's the day on Friday was when I posted that video. And that same day is when someone gave me that comment. I learned about the statute because originally we were just like, we're just going to take the flag down. We're not going to try to make a thing out of this because they could start fining us, right? That's the whole thing is it starts with a warning. And then if you continue to break whatever the rule is, they start fining you. And then that would be passed on to us by our landlord. And I was like, well, I don't want to deal with that. But as soon as I found out that, no, actually, they're literally breaking state law. 
I was like, well, now I'm going to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the new one the one that it's like the pride flag, but it says something like, I don't know. I think I saw it on your TikTok. Oh, the, would... one my, the one my friend got me. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so backstory for those who haven't seen this video is that I the reason I made this video is because my dear friend Alex had heard about what was going on with the HOA and went out of his way to make a flag. And on that flag, it says, I will tread on you with my gay lesbian feet. And it's fantastic. Obviously, this is a response to the conservative don't tread on me flag. Mm -hmm. That is hanging up in our living room. And it is it is glorious. The only reason I'm not going to put that one up in the window is because we are really trying not to get hate crimed in <laughs> our time before we move out of this horrible house. So I actually just bought a new flag. It's from an artist who goes by the name Trans Painter on social media. Shout out to them. And it is the progress flag. And it says you are loved on it with like these really beautiful flowers. So this is kind of my like, I'm going to fight your hatred with kindness response. I'm still going to put up a flag. And it's also going to be a very kind and loving flag. Because the reason we put up the flag in the first place is because statistically speaking, there are queer people in this neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. And we feel like we're in a place where we can take this smaller risk to put up a flag in hopes that maybe there's someone in the neighborhood with conservative parents who has a queer kid. And that could be the difference for them to see that and to know that they're not alone in the neighborhood. So that's why, even though there is a little bit more risk to us to kind of put that target on our house with the pride flag, we're doing it for others. Yeah, I love that. So do you know what area of Denver you're moving to or what areas are more... So generally speaking, the city itself is extremely gay friendly. Like if you live in Denver proper, there's pride flags everywhere. I always see queer people downtown. That seems to be great. I'm 33. My partner just turned 40. We are no longer in our live downtown or near downtown city phase of life. And something that's really interesting about Denver is that the geographic parameters are very east to west as far as like what's considered Denver and what isn't. So in Austin, it's more of like a round shape. So we lived in North Austin, which is about 20 minutes from downtown, and it was still considered Austin. Here, we are actually living the same distance from downtown Denver. It only takes us 20 minutes to get downtown, but it's not considered Denver just because of the way that the parameters are drawn. So even though it's like we're in the burbs, we're really not. We're literally the same distance from getting to stuff as we used to live when we were in Austin. So right now we are on the, I guess it's the east side of I-25, which is like the main road that runs through Denver. And it's the one that's further away from the mountains. So we know that we want to go across there. Go to the mm. west side where the mountains are, not only to be closer to them, but also because there tend to be more liberal cities in that area. So it's kind of hit or miss. Someone did give me the hot tip in my HOA video that if you pull up the election maps from the 2020 and 2016 elections, you can see down to the neighborhood how people voted. And so that can be a much clearer picture because when we were looking, we were just looking at the numbers for the city as a whole, not realizing that demographic information is available for more specific areas. So next time, we will look a little bit more closely now that I know that those maps exist to make sure voting records align better with what we're thinking. Because technically, the city that we're in is majority liberal. It's just barely majority liberal. Mm. Okay, interesting. Okay. And then now you have a Substack newsletter called The Queer Agenda, which is pretty funny because I think that's kind of a play <laughs> on people claiming that gay people have a gay agenda when right, whatever. So you have that. And then you said you're writing a book as well. Yeah. So I am currently working on a contemporary fiction book, very queer that I'm hoping to get finished up by the end of this year. And then I'm going to go through the process to 
fingers crossed, find an agent and get it published in a major publisher. That's kind of my long-term goal. For the book, I've been writing my whole life and I've always wanted to publish a book and just kind of finally reached that time where I was like, I think now is the time to actually try to realize this dream and make it happen. And I'm super excited about it. It is would be the ultimate dream to literally be able to hold the physical book in my hands with my name on it and be able to get that out into the world. So that's kind of the big project that I'm doing right now. So for me, I'm a big reader, but mainly nonfiction. But I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know what? I think I would be into fiction, like romance fiction or whatever, if it was a lesbian couple versus typical straight couples. Oh, it makes such a difference. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, maybe I could look into that. I think on your Substack, don't you have a book review or book recommendations or something? Yeah. So on my Substack, I basically have, it's free for anybody to get the newsletter. And then I have certain things that are for my paid subscribers. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. So I have a few paid subscribers and basically I do curated playlists for them. And then I do queer book reviews. But what I can tell you for the people who are free subscribers is that Every book that I am reviewing is a book that I liked enough that I'm doing a review for it. I won't review books that I didn't enjoy and wouldn't recommend to people. So even if you can't see the whole review because you're not a paid subscriber, you can see which books I recommend because I really liked them. Okay. Well, I'll start with that list and maybe buy a few. And you have a TikTok. That's how I found you. And of course, anybody can find the links to all of these if they go directly to your website which is spelled, it's your name, S-H-O-H-R-E-H. D-A-V-O-O-D-I dot com. And was there anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to cover or anything like that? No, I mean, I think the only thing that I'll say is a lot of people reach out to me who are kind of in the beginning stages of this process of realizing that they might be a lesbian and maybe they're married to a man, maybe they have kids, uh, a lot of people in all different stages of life. And I think I would just say that you may feel like you're alone, but you're absolutely not. There's so many of us. It's kind of scary. Like when I was first going through it, I just didn't realize how many people had had this experience. And one of the biggest places I discovered that I wasn't alone was on Reddit, which is a place I never spend my time otherwise. But there is a late bloomer lesbian subreddit that is just filled with people who are either questioning their sexuality or have gone through the process and they're like been sharing about it. So it's a really wonderful place. You don't even have to, you never have to post anything, right? Like you can just scroll and read and you'll hear about a lot of people's experiences that may be, have similarities to yours and make you feel less alone because there's a lot of us going through this. And then also it's going to be normal for you to feel maybe like you're stupid for not realizing or, or guilty or any of these other things. And like, you're going to have to process those. But at the end of the day, it is not your fault. This isn't something you did to somebody. This is a result of the society and the world that we live in that it took you a little bit longer to figure this out about yourself. That's okay. It takes as long as it takes. Yeah, I love that. That's a good point to make is that I think probably for a lot of us, it, it feels like we feel shame and guilt and like it's our fault and we should have known. And it's society that <laughs> made us. I mean, if, if society was totally cool and whatever, we probably would have known when we were a kid. But yeah, yeah there's that's so many other. places to put your anger and your frustration, like feeling anger and frustration is absolutely normal. Just like we have to take it away from trying to turn that on ourselves and put it out where it belongs, which is at all of these societal structures that made it possible for us to, to go as long as we did without realizing. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today. And I'll have a link to your website and all of the other things in the awesome. show notes. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I invite you to dive deeper into conversations from this podcast. Join our community on Slack. Here, you can connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, and engage in meaningful discussions. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be answered on the podcast. Together, let's build a supportive space and shape the future of the show. Join us at lesbihonest.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.